Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Pasquale Foster Youth Academy fights to stop it from closing down. The students at San Pasquale Academy are devastated. You can imagine the trauma that they experienced. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. The effort is on to save San Diego's tide pools from climate change. We need to be thinking about sea level rise right now. San Diego Arts Group soldier on through the one-year anniversary of the pandemic. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Closing San Pasquale Foster Youth Academy in Escondido is seen by some as part of the state's success in placing foster children in homes instead of institutions. But advocates for this first-in-the-nation residential education campus for foster youth are fighting the planned closure, which has recently been moved up to October of this year. Supporters say children at San Pasquale are already in a family-like setting, and the school has paved success for many former students. Now an effort is on to carve an exception to a federal law aimed at closing facilities like San Pasquale. San Pasquale Academy Director Tia Moore spoke yesterday at a press conference to implore the community to help keep SPA open. The opportunities provided there allow our kids to live their dreams. I hope that there is some empathy out there. You need to put yourself in these kids' shoes. You really do. And once you step in their shoes and you hear them, you will understand their true voice and their real stories. Joining me is Joan Scott, the president of the Friends of San Pasquale Academy. And Joan, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. For people unfamiliar with San Pasquale, could you describe what the Academy does and who your students are? 
Well, we have been caring for foster kids for over 20 years, and the success stories are many. And our kids come through no fault of their own, through circumstances of abuse, neglect, abandonment for various reasons. And San Pasquale has provided them a safe, stable, nurturing environment. And they have told these kids, some of them have been placed 10, 20, 30 times, have been moved to various home after home. By the time they come to San Pasquale Academy, we have told them, you do not have to move away from here. This is your home. We will care for you. We will find your gifts and talents and nurture you. We will let you heal from your trauma that you've experienced. And this will be your family. San Pasquale falls into the category of congregate living facilities for foster children. And that's a category which federal law wants to eliminate. The push is to get kids into the care of foster families. Wouldn't your students be better off in families? Well, ideally, that would be the best situation. However, reality is different for many of these kids. Many of our kids have been placed previously with foster foster families and have suffered abuse and neglect. Some of them have been placed and have had success stories. But the majority of our kids have been placed home to home to home in foster families and foster care. And and when they arrive at San Pasquale Academy, they say, thank you, San Pasquale Academy has saved me because here I am allowed to stay and create my own family here and come home when I go to college. Um, and it, it is a village. And so many of the, the kids feel that San Pasquale is their family. So what's been the reaction of students who attend the academy to its potential closure? The students at San Pasquale Academy are devastated. They have been told that this has been their last placement. Uh, in the article of the union, it said in the, that was, that, that came out February 21st, it said that the kids would be moved and placed other places as beginning as next, as early as next month, which is now. And you can imagine the trauma that they experienced just learning about that in a newspaper article. So they have lost trust in adults. As you well know, many adults in their lives have failed them. They have lost this trust. And now they're saying to you more, they say, well, why do we trust you? You aren't going to be here and where am I going to be? I'm forced to leave my home. And it's just been so traumatizing for them and the staff. A notable alumni of San Pasquale civil rights activist Shane Harris has written to the governor in an effort to keep the school open. What other actions is the school taking to hang on? Well, that's the question. Shane Harris has been a wonderful advocate. He attended SPA for two years. And so he knows firsthand what San Pasquale Academy has to offer, that it is not a group home and should not be classified as a group home. It is one of a kind in the nation. I know that there's a push to get state officials, federal officials, and the county officials together to sit down and finally figure out how to keep San Pasquale open permanently. It has to start at the county level and appeal to the state 
And I think once they realize that San Pasquale Academy does not fall under a group home or congregate care home, that it is a special, unique home and school and community that they can figure out a way to keep San Pasquale Academy open. When will you know the outcome of these efforts to keep the school open? Well, I know next Tuesday, the County Board of Supervisors is asking the state to extend it to keep it open. However, we're unsure of that. There's another process of getting another extension. But I think the bottom line is, is that we need to keep this open permanently and finally do what's right and be the voice of reason. Our alumni and our current foster kids are appealing to these officials. They're telling firsthand, and I quote, San Pasquale Academy has saved my life. Other quotes, without San Pasquale Academy, I would not have become the successful adult I am today. I mean, they have been letting their stories known, and it's very, very impactful and meaningful about how San Pasquale Academy has made a difference in their lives. Well, I want to thank you for speaking to us about this today. I've been speaking with Joan Scott, president of the Friends of San Pasquale Academy. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. California's tide pools are under assault from the warming planet, but the fragile ecosystems are getting a boost in San Diego Bay. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says artificial tide pools are now in place along Harbor Island. The long bayside sidewalk on San Diego's Harbor Island Drive is a favorite for locals and tourists. It's also close to the region's only artificial tide pools. We need to be thinking about sea level rise right now. Port of San Diego Commissioner Rafael Castellano says the interlocking concrete blocks at the base of the island's armored riprap seawall create an extra buffer against rising sea levels. This technology obviously benefits the port because we can start to create living shorelines which will help accommodate sea level rise, that will help armor our coastline with non-traditional technology, not just riprap, but now using technology that will enhance our ecosystems along the bay. Over the next few months, Castellano says sea life in the bay should start to move into the new tide pools and set up house. You'll get algae, you'll get seagrass, you'll get barnacles, sea anemones, among other forms of marine life, and that all will serve to sort of gel uh, a biosphere, if you will, over this um, artificial tidal pool system. In addition to the sea life, the tide pools make the rocky concrete barrier along Harbor Island a few feet wider. We are protecting against coastal flooding and we're also making for a greener, uh, more productive uh, ecosystem here at the Port of San Diego. The Port of San Diego is investing $200,000 in e-concrete, the Israeli company that developed the idea. If the company builds other projects in California, the port could more than double its investment. It's part of the port's effort to encourage businesses in the port's blue economy incubator. You're adding infrastructure to the water. Idosela is a co-founder of eConcrete, and he's working on the coastal lock tide pool armor. Why not harnessing your existing infrastructure to provide similar ecosystem services and save this effort of putting extra structures in the water? 
Sella says the 7,700-pound concrete blocks interlock to give the structure stability, but he says the key to the project is how the concrete is mixed. Unlike commercial or industrial concrete, this mixture contains ingredients that are plant and animal friendly, what Sella calls salt and pepper. That modify the concrete in a way that it becomes a better substrate for the balanced biology to grow on. Corey Puccini is a conservationist working with Wild Coast to preserve the coast's unique assets. I know there's more sustainable types of concrete that don't have as many additives, dyes, lye things of that nature that can seep out over time. He welcomes the addition of the artificial tide pools because the natural habitats are under fire from climate change. And he's optimistic the ocean species will find the new habitats welcoming. Yeah, and actually a lot of marine life that lives in that tide pool or that coastal zone is highly adaptable. I mean, they already have to, and when I say they, I mean the, the species that, that live in tide pool ecosystems, they have to adapt daily to rising and falling tides, fluctuating currents, temperatures, storms, incursion of freshwater. So they're highly adaptable species. Port officials will check in on the project every six months to measure progress. If it does work and it takes hold in San Diego, there's a pretty good chance that you'll see the technology deployed elsewhere. That could be in California or any place in the world where there's a need for a manufactured shoreline. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This weekend marks one year since California enacted the COVID-19 stay-at-home order. Live performances and arts events were shut down and their future remained in limbo. But as we've seen over the past year, San Diego artists and performers have found ways to keep creative. This milestone weekend is no exception, with plenty of dance, art, and music to keep us entertained and connected. Joining me is KPBS arts editor and producer, Julia Dixon-Evans, with all the details. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. First, City Ballet has an on-demand production of staged ballet performances. Tell us a little bit about these. Yeah, so it's a collection, a a nice mix of traditional ballets and some new choreography, all set to familiar pieces of music, whether classical or the more popular jazz of Gershwin. It opens with this, the ultra-familiar Rhapsody in Blue, and a stage full of dancers and a pretty high-octane, kind of quirky performance with new choreography by the company's Jeff Gonzalez, And then they move into some traditional duets like Tchaikovsky's 
Black Swan, Prokofiev's Cinderella, also a lovely take on Samuel Barber's very familiar Adagio for Strings. It's all a really approachable collection and you could really see the delight on these dancers' faces just for getting to dance together on a stage again. City Ballet's Rhapsody in Blue program streams on demand through March 21st. Saturday, we have some projected photography and an artist talk we can actually attend outdoors. <laughs> what can we expect? Yeah, this is part of the Medium Festival of Photography, which is locally based. And the closing weekend is this weekend. This is a hybrid option. You can view it from home virtually, or you can snag a ticket to view it outdoors at the Lafayette Hotel in North Park. This is where the festival is usually held on a normal year. And this projection work isn't just some pandemic compromise or pivot. The photographer, Philip Schultz-Ritterman, is known for his projected photography. He'll often layer different images of the same object or landscape onto itself, in this case, the hotel. And it's kind of a way of examining what we know about place and how our perspective as a viewer skews the objects. Ritterman will be in conversation uh, on site with local curator Kevin Miller. They'll tour the works. Uh, I've heard that a perk for attending is that apparently these images are blown up so much that the pixels are large enough to see and, and walk through. You'll have pixels on your faces. So um, also don't miss the exhibition of photography by artists living in Mexico's border states. It's called Northern Exposure, and that is on view during business hours at Coffee and Tea Collective just down the street. That's all part of the Medium Festival of Photography. The Philip Schultz Ritterman's projected photography exhibition and the artist talk takes place Saturday at 7 p.m. at the Lafayette Hotel. And while we're on the subject of outdoor art, Sunday afternoon there's an outdoor screening of a new set of dance films made right here to commemorate a year of social distancing. How can we attend that? Yeah, so this is Disco Riot's A Year of Distance, a play on the word. Uh, it's a contemporary dance company. They commissioned reflective works from six of their dancers. And these pieces run the gamut of everything we've gone through this year, from trying to find a meditative center while listening to news broadcasts and mincing herbs in the kitchen. That one almost sounds too real to me. <laughs> to also grieving the loss of seeing people in person, to desperately seeking joy however we can find it. I know I've talked this genre of dance film up a lot in this space, but I'm really loving it, dance film lately. And I've been finding a lot of comfort from watching dance. So I asked Disco Riot's artistic director, it's Zakia Mahler Salinas, a little bit about why that is. Here's Zakia. One of the things that I find most important about dance is that it's an embodied art practice, which means that like I have a body and I'm doing whatever, you know, dancing that I'm doing, but you as an audience member also have a body. <laughs> And even if the bodies are different, something about watching another human being process through something in movement, we get this thing called kinesthetic empathy from that, where we have some space, hopefully, to reflect or see ourselves reflected in some way in what's happening. Disco Riots, A Year of Distance, screens Sunday afternoon at Cinema Under the Stars or virtually on Tuesday.
And finally, what's on stage at the Casbah this weekend? Yeah, I'll leave you with a little alt country. Their local steadfast rocker, Grandpa Drew, will host his famous and beloved Flim Flam Review from the Empty Casbah, live streamed right to you on Twitch on Saturday night. And I've picked a pretty wistful and sad song here. This is Wishes by Grandpa Drew from his 2012 album. But for the most part, it's impossible to be in a bad mood when you're at a Grandpa Drew show. Drew will be joined by a whole host of guests and bandmates, and it's a free show. I wish you'd have come to see me. I wish you'd have met me at the gate. I wish you'd have come camping on my birthday. Grandpa Drew's Flim Flam Review live streams from the Casbah Saturday at 8. For more arts events or to sign up for Julia's weekly KPBS Arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts editor and producer, Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you. Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.